0: Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. You'll never go wrong when you get your advice from real estate professionals that you know, like, and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla.
1: Today we're looking at the stats from the Sierra Nevada realtors and also a look at what's happening across the country In the world of real estate, always good news. Plus, our guests today in the studio, Ray Hopper and David Dufier from Help Save the Bees Foundation right here in northern Nevada. We're going to be talking about their organization, the upcoming Nevada State Beekeepers
2: Conference, and more after this quick message. Time and time again, people come to Sage International Incorporated because they experience confusion about the entity or entities they have formed either on their own or through another service provider. If you do not understand how to obtain solid liability protection, effective tax reduction, or have never given any thought to the importance of exit or estate planning issues, then the SAGE Facilitator Program was designed specifically for you. To learn more, call SAGE International Incorporated at 775-786-5515 and schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry Hill today. The SAGE clients enrolled in the SAGE Facilitator Program have discovered that this proprietary process creates tremendous peace of mind for themselves and their families. It's time for you to stop worrying by calling 775-786-5515 to learn more so we can help you today. Call SAGE International. Great news. Nevada
1: Technology Academy is offering classes in certified ethical hacking, combining hands-on training with virtual labs for simulated hacking and defense exercises. Recognized by the Department of Defense and NECI. 2024 classes begin soon. Located at 155 Cadillac Place in Reno, 775-849-4983 or visit nvtechacademy.com. Nevada Technology Academy. Invest in your future. nvtechacademy.com.
0: The most productive hour of your week. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Welcome back to Nevada Real Estate Radio. I want to remind all of you
1: that the Nevada State Beekeepers Conference is coming up, Feb 22 to 24 in Arrington, Nevada. Get all the details at NevadaStateBeekeepers.org. Today we're going to start off the program by continuing our conversation about the world of bees. Actually, pollination and pollinators. In the studio with me today, a returning guest, Ray Hopper from Help Save the Bees Foundation. Welcome back to the show, Ray. Thank you, Peter. It's- pleasure to be here today it's good to have you and you look good in that safari hat i'm very impressed
3: (laughs) thank you peter a lot of people call it a safari hat it's actually my beekeeper's hat really oh yeah it's very much like a uh, one of the pith helmets that you might see on a african safari tv show
1: yes yes you're right now that i take a closer look at it i can kind of see through it it has pretty fine webbing in that and uh, yeah, but that's pretty good. Do you put a veil on when you work on your bees?
3: The hat actually has little hooks uh-huh. around the outside edge of, of the rim, and, mm-hmm. and that's to hold the veil in place. Very and, nice. When I have a veil on.
1: I like the style. You're actually wearing beekeeping attire everywhere you go.
3: That's right. I'm, I'm instantly recognizable
1: as a beekeeper. You have brought another guest with you today, a member of the board of the Help Save the Bees Foundation. Ray, I'm going to let you introduce him.
3: Thanks, Peter. Um, with me today is David Dufier. Uh, he goes by the name of Fez. So and that's what I call him. He's on the board of directors and um, he lives in Incline Village. David Dufier, welcome to the yes, show. Fez. Good to
4: be here. Thank you.
1: Incline Village. I bet you guys got a lot of snow over the course of the last week or well, so. We've
4: got a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Finally.
1: Uh, right yeah. here in the valley. I just live up in the uh, Hidden Valley area. Over a foot up there. Yes. So you guys must have yeah, got really a couple got a good job. Yeah, yeah oh, nice. nice. Are you a skier? Yes, I am. Oh, nice to. I, w- I am a skier, but I don't ski much because my new wife does not ski. And uh, I'm just planning on sneaking out one day. You know, that's one of them. She meet. could be a snow bunny. She could be a snow bunny. <laughs> yeah, she'd be great in the lodge waiting for me. <laughs> Actually, we do a lot of snowshoeing, and I'm sure that that's a great activity in the Incline Village yes, area as well. Yes, it is. Very nice. So you're on the board of the Help Save the Bees Foundation. How long have you been on the board?
4: Uh, since its inception, it was about four or five years now. It's been five years now. Five really? Years, oh, very yeah. nice.
1: You're one of the founding board members. I am very one nice. Finding, yes, so, no what, order. what, uh, what uh, compelled you to decide this? Is, this <clears throat> sounds right for me.
4: Well, uh, a couple of things. One, I'm, I'm friends with Ray. I've been fr- and I want to support him in his endeavors. Um, and I've really, uh, really care for the importance of the bees in our in our environment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and for the health of our planet. So what
1: aspect of the bees, when you think of the importance of bees, and you talk to people about your work at Help Save the Bees,
4: what do you focus on? What are some of the things you think about when you think about their importance? Um, you know, protecting them, protecting their environments. Um there's a lot of, um, a lot of threats against bees right now, and bees are vitally important to our agriculture, to our food supply, um, and to the health of our environment. So, um, you know, we support the bees in quite a few ways. We support uh, a lot of researchers and um, uh, companies that um, are doing research to help find ways to protect the bees. Um, We also support different um, uh, legislative processes out there that uh, Mm -hmm. also help protect the bees as well.
1: Very nice, very nice. I I think if, if people have the right mindset, it's almost part of our own natural nature to help protect the bees because when you protect the bees, well, it's like the canary in the coal mine, right? It, the Bees tell us a lot about what's happening in the environment. Ray, five years since you founded the organization, um, even then, five years ago, in 2018, there was a big focus on pollination activity or lack of sometimes.
3: Well, that's right, Peter. And the USDA tells us that Pollinators contribute 15 billion dollars to the value of U.S. agriculture every year, mm-hmm. and the bees are in trouble due to uh, various um, uh, various reasons, like uh, cl- the climate change. Mm-hmm. As the climate changes, uh, the flowers get out of sync with the bees because the the the, the flowers that <laughs> that depend on pollinators are uh their life cycle is dependent on uh, on the on the t- on the on the amount of sunlight that you get right uh during the day and uh, the bees the insects the pollinator insects are uh, more reliant on uh the temperature mm-hmm. and if the temperature changes uh during the course of the year the the pollinators might emerge earlier. Than, the, than than flowers that they need to feed on mm-hmm. and, uh, and the worst case scenario would be that the um, pollinators emerge before the flowers do, uh, but mm-hmm. there 's nothing to eat, so they diet die off before yeah. the flowers emerge, and then there 's no, no pollinators to pollinate the flowers yeah yeah uh, you
1: know one of the things that always always comes to play, no matter what you think about why things are changing, why the bees are struggling, I think it always comes down to one thing, and that is. Pollution. And when you have pollution, it doesn't matter where it comes or how it comes from. Ultimately, it gets into the food supply. But really, I think before it does, it gets into the bee food supply.
3: Oh, absolutely. And so they're yeah. the first
1: ones that actually see it and actually feel it and taste it. And I know bees avoid things that aren't good for them, but there are just some things that are so small and so microscopic in the honeybee world, Ray, I know, that uh, sometimes they can't avoid it, because, but it's still there.
3: Neonicotinoids. Is one of the factors? Right? Absolutely, Peter. I'm glad you mentioned neonicotinoids, or <clears throat> it's a class of in- of uh, insecticides that came out about ten years ago. Very popular insecticides because they're very effective. Yeah, and, and and they work in a different way. I mean, it's not like you know you don't spray a
1: neonicotinoid. It's
3: actually no, a part uh, of part no, of the seed. Neonic's, it? as they're called, is 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 a chemical that you apply to the ground. Mm-hmm and they're absorbed through the root system and and into the plant. So it's a, a systemic. Yeah. So every part of the plant becomes poisoned oh my God. Uh, with these uh, insecticides. And when um, uh, pollinator insects come along and they eat the pollen or take the pollen back to their uh, larva and they feed this poisonous pollen to the larva, it affects the development of the bees.
1: Yeah, the neonicotinoids that, that I mostly... I'm concerned about because they're in such mass quantity are the commercial neonicotinoids, the ones that the big agricultural companies use across the country, right, in the, in the fields that feed the American people. Uh, but even backyard gardeners are exposed to that sometimes. So some of these products are sold in the Commercial hardware stores. I see them all the time.
3: You're absolutely right, Peter. And the good news is that our organization was recently successful this year in making those the um, those neonicotinoids not available uh, at the um, at the commercial at the uh, consumer level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're still going to be available at the agricultural level, but most agricultural applicators are well trained in the application of these uh, chemicals. So you're right in that the real danger is with the untrained uh, homeowners and uh, casual users of these off-the-shelf chemicals. Yeah, they these
1: uh, same people we're talking about, the... Um, The average joe let's say average jane and joe they don't really know about the dangers of some of these chemicals to the pollination world trouble is not only in application but in storage as well and in disposal i mean sometimes people have a half a gallon of some neonicotinoid and they just don't dump it in the trash or down the drain i it's absolutely outrageous that people would even think about this but i know that it happens ray and i'm sure that your organization helps save the bees foundation It's trying to make people aware of these challenges in the world.
3: That's right, Peter. And in conjunction with the Sierra Club, we were successful this year in making those um, neonicotinoids no no longer available uh, at the consumer level. So So we won't be seeing those anymore. Are you able to
1: mention some of the
3: items that are no longer available? Most of them I can't even pronounce. One of them is is spelled like imidacloprid. Okay. And if you see the word imidacloprid on the Mm -hmm. backside of an insecticide or pest control product, uh, that is a neonicotinoid. That is one of the most popular ones that you won't be seeing anymore in the state of Nevada. In my yard, Ray, and I recommend this to a
1: lot of folks because this is the way I grew up and now as a beekeeper, the way I manage my yard, I try to keep... Close to 100% no chemicals on my yard. I just don't use them. Good for you. That Good. way I don't have to worry about, is this the right one? Is this the wrong mm-hmm. one? How does this interact with the other one? What are my, my neighbors? What might they be using? How does that interact with theirs? I don't worry about that anymore. Exactly. I just don't use that. I just don't use Good insecticides. I don't, just don't use fertilizers. Um, a little nitrogen here and there, okay? Sure. I'll, ge- I'll get sure. into that. the plants that. will use
3: up the, yeah. what's in the soil, so right. you have to But But
1: uh, from there on, it's pretty much all organic. But I know a l- lot of people can't do that. They just they don't have that lifestyle, and I, I can't expect everybody to live like me. If everybody lived like me, Ray, it would be a very, very sad you know thing. <laughs>
3: everybody would be just like boring. Yeah, it would be a boring
1: yeah, world. you yes, yes. <laughs> know. But I do encourage people to think about how they take care of their yard in the sense of thinking about it from the point of the pollinators and when we come back from this break ray i want to talk about something that we're doing this winter that we believe is helping pollinators and uh, it's probably something that anybody can do you don't have to have a big budget to take care of this in fact there's no cost at all we'll be back with that after this sounds good
5: Save the date. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, February 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Enjoy world-renowned speakers, educational presentations, hands-on workshops, honey tasting, and bee photo contests, plus so much more. Learn from new and seasoned beekeepers. Inform, educate, and inspire. Register at nevadastatebeekeepers.org. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, Feb 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, Yerington, Nevada, the hub of Lyon County.
2: That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International. Natakwa. Natakwa
1: News. Fun for all ages. Natakwa News. Pick up your copy today.
0: Natakwa. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. We have Ray Hopper with us in the studio along with David (laughs) Dufier from Help Save the
1: Bees Foundation. Ray and David, hope you guys are doing well today. Doing great, Peter. Thank you. Yeah, I was talking about something that can really help save the bees without really spending a lot of money. And it's this, Ray. I have learned not to rake my leaves in the fall, I just leave them out there. They pile up real nice in some good areas, and I see all kinds of really interesting creatures in there.
4: Great
1: idea. (laughs) Have you ever heard of that? That's a great idea, Peter. A lot of people, in fact, are being encouraged, I've seen it on social media now, to just leave it for the creatures. A lot of birds live under some of the bushes that we haven't yet trimmed, and uh, uh, it's just an amazing thing that we see. And I think after several years of doing this, Ray and David, I think the yard is starting to come together a little bit better because that stuff breaks down as well and actually feeds the soil. It's like a natural fertilizer. When I was walking around my bees just a few days ago, it's uh, still early January to mid-January, Ray, and my bees are
3: active. Can you believe that? I believe it. Mine are, too. It's We've been having an incredibly warm winter this year, and it's a little concerning. Um, as a beekeeper, I have to worry about how much feed that my bees have inside their, their colony. And when they're out flying around, they're expending energy, but they're not finding anything to eat. So I have to make sure to leave them at least 50 or 60 pounds of honey to get them through the winter. I can't take it all when I do a harvesting. Oh, you know it. The bees have to live, too, and they, they eat the same thing
1: we do from that beehive. They love the honey just like we do. So uh, we actually do a little winter feeding when we can, and this year we happen to be able to do some of that, Ray. Uh, but it's uh-huh. just uh, it's just a, a nice thing to see because last year in the uh, early part of 2023, there was so much snow that the bees didn't seem to come out until March. (laughs) That's right. And uh, by then, a lot of the blooming that I had expected hadn't bloomed yet. We had had a
3: ton of snow last year. A ton of snow.
1: It's always something in the world of beekeeping that uh, is a challenge for us. And it's like that, too, for the general population of pollinators, Ray, because you focus not just on honeybees, but all kinds of pollinators. Let our listeners know about that.
3: Oh, that's true, Peter. Uh, Honeybees are in most people's consciousness because honeybees are what we see mostly in the yard, and it's the honeybees that are mostly contributing to the uh, $15 billion worth of agricultural input uh, each year because Honeybees are portable. You can move them around from crop to crop. Mm-hmm. and we have a saying uh, in that um in that uh, commercial beekeepers treat their their bees like cattle. I know that some people they look at them as goats.
1: you know they people ran off goats to to eat weeds off of a person's property. sometimes there's acres and acres, and a hundred goats is what you need. These beekeepers that you're talking about, Ray, they're herding, with quotes, they're herding hundreds, and I know some of them that are herding
3: thousands of beehives. Yeah. Moving them around the country That's to right. where they're needed for pollination. Commercial beekeepers uh, think of their bees as uh, livestock. Yeah. Whereas um, me and my friends are backyard beekeepers, and we right. treat and we think of our bees more as pets. I can see that with
1: bees because, as much as I like to say that I don't have emotions for them i end up talking to them ray when i go out there <laughs> and anytime you're talking to a living creature y- there's a connection and in fact there's a great book called talk uh, talking to the bees that's a classic i think in, oh, i have and uh uh there are people that actually have good times when they go out and spend time with the bees i have to tell you i get mesmerized when i'm looking at the bees because they're they they're, they have such interesting movement and uh, the sounds and the smells.
3: They have a beautiful dance, and they have a beautiful song. I love to just stand there and listen to them and watch them moving around. Uh, but back to the um, the other types of pollinators that we were talking about, is that besides the honeybees, we have native bees that live in our area. Most people don't realize that honeybees, Apis mellifera, the bees that you normally see flying around your yard are not native to the United States. They were imported Mm -hmm. uh, from Europe in the 1600s. And I can't imagine bringing live beehives on those sailing ships that they used across the Atlantic Ocean in those days. My God, that would be just an incredible thing, but that's what they did. And um, they were not native here. In fact, uh, the, the, the native people that lived here called them white man's flies. The uh, honeybees are responsible for the produce that we see in the supermarket, and uh, native bees are responsible for the produce that you grow in your backyard, because we have over 20,000 different species of native bees in the Great Basin area here in Nevada. Wow. You know, I have seen some different bees. I've seen more differences
1: in bees since I became a beekeeper, and... Uh... And one of the things that happens when you become a beekeeper is when you start talking about bees, you can't stop talking about bees. Right? <laughs> and so right. when you have a guest <laughs> that is new, he just sits there and listens because he's saying, why are these two guys talking about bees and not even noticing I'm here? David, that's what you're thinking, isn't it? No? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. David's just a bee on the wall. I put
4: a suit on before and helped Ray with his bees. So.
1: It's just, uh, but it's mesmerizing. Yes. All, of, all of it is mesmerizing. So what are, what are some of the, the, the nice things or the most fascinating things that you can think of, David, since you got involved with the Help Save the Bees Foundation?
4: Well, just learning about how fascinating bees are, just the whole um, hive culture, how they work together, how they how have this intelligence built into themselves, into the whole hive. Um, and, uh, you know, also just, just all the, the great things they do for us and, and how important they are to, to our survival, really, on the planet. You know, through through food and especially through food and agriculture.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got into it for the honey. Not the not honey, I the taste the honey. I said, "What do I have to do to get more honey <laughs> in my go. house without hassling with the grocery store?" That was a big part of it, Ray. Right. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I would bet that the honey is a big part that most people are initially interested. Yes. In, but then they find out all these other benefits about beekeeping, about pollination, protecting pollinators. And uh, from there on, it just expands. It's it's like one of the most important things in the world, mm-hmm. taking care of pollinators. Ray, I know that people say, well, a third of every bite or one out of every three bites. Um, they're so important to the plant. Look, it's every bite because mm-hmm. I guarantee mm-hmm. you those other three mm-hmm. bites that you didn't take, they're dependent on the B-tube.
3: Oh, that's that's true <laughs> too, pretty much. <laughs>
1: They are so yeah. we're all in. We're all involved with the world of beekeeping because it's we love it. It's fun, it's, but it's also something that gives nothing but good. I don't know of any bad things that come from beekeeping, Ray. Right? Uh, a lot of cattle ranchers where I live, but there was all that manure. <laughs> what do you do with that? The chicken farmers. That's the chicken manure. It's it's everything is. It's there's always a big component of the waste side of the negative side of whatever venture you're doing. I believe, except for beekeeping. Now, the commercial guys, of course, they've got to have trucks. They've got to have all the labor. I mean, they're in it for the commercial world, right? That's but right. But if you want to go as big as just for yourself as you want, there really isn't anything bad about it. And that's one of the reasons I love talking to people that are in the world of real estate about it on our radio show because we talk to a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people are buying homes for the first time, and they don't realize that they can do a lot of different things if they buy a home in one area versus another area. If I was a young beekeeper, I didn't yet have a home, David, and I was thinking about buying a home, I'd probably lean toward the rural areas of our northern Nevada area because there's more space, bigger garden, more flowers. What do you think of that idea? I
4: think that's a very good idea, actually there should yeah. be
1: maybe a special type of realtor that specializes in beekeepers a bee realtor a bee realtor <laughs> yes a beekeeper and realtor if you want to be a beekeeper there and you need going. a realtor this is the go man to save call fez <laughs> David that's what you need yeah and just think just think of all the honey you'd get there you go David if somebody wants to reach you at help save the bees foundation and talk more about the organization and learn about what it's being like and what they can do to help what's the best way uh, fez at Foundation dot org. Fez F E Z at fez. Help save the Foundation. Very good. And Ray Hopper, you've been with us before. You founded the organization. I love what you're doing. But I know people want to talk to you, and they maybe
3: want to help out and learn more about help save the bees. What's the best way to reach you? Oh, that'd be great. Uh, you can donate to help save the bees foundation at our website, which is helpsavethebeesfoundation dot or you can send me an email, which is at ray at org. Very good. We'll put all of your contact
1: information on our website, com. We'll make it easy for people to find you. When we come back, we're going to look at the stats here in northern Nevada and talk to Dave and to Ray Hopper a little bit about their sentiment of real estate in northern Nevada because good sentiment for real estate means good sentiment for beekeeping. Back after this. Natakwa. Natakwa Natakwa News. Natakwa. Natakwa Natakwa News. Fun for all ages. Natakwa News. Pick up your copy today. Natakwa. Natakwa.
5: Natakwa. Save the date. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, February 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Enjoy world-renowned speakers, educational presentations, hands-on workshops, honey tasting, and bee photo contests, plus so much more. Learn from new and seasoned beekeepers. Inform, educate, and inspire. Register at nevadastatebeekeepers.org. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, Feb 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, yearington, Nevada, the hub of Lyon County. Great
1: news. Nevada Technology Academy is offering classes in digital forensics, ANSI-accredited lab-focused programs, evidence analysis around the dark web, the Internet of Things, cloud computing, and more. Spring 2024 classes begin soon. There's space available for you. Call 775-849-4983 or visit nvtechacademy.com. Nevada Technology Academy. Invest in
2: your future. nvtechacademy.com. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International.
0: The most productive hour of your week. Here is your host, Peter Padilla.
1: We're back on Nevada
0: Real Estate Radio. Even though we're into the new year, some
1: people are still cleaning up their business transactions from 2023. Why is that? Well, a lot of our investors, they're real estate investors, and they have multiple properties. Sometimes they're moving out from one state, like California, and moving to the central part of the U.S., or even as far as the East Coast. When you have multiple properties in multiple states as an investor, things can get complicated. That's when you need to visit with Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International. Talk to her about your real estate transactions and how she can put a package together to make it easier and more cost efficient visit her at sageintl.com or call her 800-254-5779 and teller Peter sent you with me in the studio today I have Ray Hopper from help save the bees foundation and also David Dufier he's a board member at help save the bees foundation too glad you guys are with us today it's time to talk about a little bit of real estate I get the stats from the Sierra Nevada Realtors so let's take a look and see at, you know, what the numbers look like from their most recent market information well first of all the median sales price is what everybody's asking about if uh, it's going up it's going down overall from what I see from the numbers from the different parts of our northern Nevada area things look like they've been pretty well established as stable over the course of the last couple of months of course it is the slowest time of the real estate season here in the Truckee Meadows David you're also a real estate professional. you work out of the incline village area is that correct that's correct so incline village Probably not nearly as many transactions, but still a pretty active market, I would say.
4: It's, it's a very active market. You know, it's a residential resort community, um, and we have a lot of, um, you know, everything from first-time home buyers to second home buyers to investors that come mm-hmm. into our market.
1: So you have all, all sorts of people. I'm sure second home buyers probably is one of the one of the things. It'd be nice to have a second home in Incline Village. Sure. Be I mean, nice to have right. a first home. First home, home exactly. First home in incline. <laughs> I agree. You <laughs> live, you live in Incline.
4: I lived in Incline been there for 24 years now.
1: Very nice. Yes. Very nice. I'm sure you've seen some nice market appreciation, just like everybody else. Yes, of course. Yeah, very yes. nice. Do you have a view of the lake?
4: Uh, I got a peak of the lake. Peak of the yeah, lake. And a yeah. view of the ski area.
1: Very nice. And then you're close to the ski area. That's probably yes. one of the best things.
4: Yeah, I can, I can ski down to it. <laughs> so in our market,
1: uh, when we talk about the Reno and Carson City area essentially, David. We're talking about a market median home price of around $550,000 mm-hmm. uh, for a typical three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage home. Mm-hmm. Incline Village, what does that number look like?
4: We're in the $2 million range. $2, $2. $2 million. million range. Yes.
1: <laughs> Ouch. So I mean, there are,
4: there are some homes that are, you know, priced under a million. Yeah. And then we have con- a lot of condos up there and they're in the $900,000 range.
1: Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: essentially, um, you need to have like, Four times the capacity for whatever you're buying in Incline Village versus, uh, let's say, Reno-Sparks area just as an average. But there's a reason for that.
4: Location, location, location.
1: What mm-hmm. makes it so special? <laughs> Why that place?
4: Uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a beautiful area. It's up in Lake Tahoe. Um, and, and one of the other things about that area is that you really can't build anymore. It's pretty much built out. Mm. So, um, you know, there's it's a limited supply. So it's a supply and demand. Um, And not only the the natural beauty, but the recreational activities up there that you have, you have mountain biking, you have hiking, you have skiing, you have boating, kayaking, Um, you have so many different activities. So it's a very, it's a very um, attractive lifestyle.
1: At you know, at the same time, there's that scarcity that you talked about. There aren't yes. building any more homes for the most part. There is isn't no there's mm-hmm. no new real estate. I don't imagine you're going to see a lot of high rises there. So it is what it is. So there's such a limited amount. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a supply and demand issue there too, it but is. it's all the time. It's always there, not just during certain windows of history. It's that there's always a supply and demand because it's a small area but a lot of demand.
4: Yes, that's correct.
1: And why the demand is beautiful. I love the Incline Village area. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful and the lifestyle, just all the activities yeah. that you can do. And if you have the capacity, what a great place to live. Now, sure. even if you are buying in my price range, which is the Reno, Sparks, Carson City area, you can get to Incline Village in a flash. Yes, You can show it off to your friends and family that comes to visit from out of town. I take them to Lake Tahoe all the time. I tell them that's my backyard there.
4: And there's a lot of people that move down from the lake. We call them decliners. They move down from the lake down into Reno or down into Carson Valley. And uh, they love it. Decliners, know? never heard that Decliners, term before. Yes. It's just because, for whatever reason, right? I yeah. mean, I would think that. Uh,
1: well, you know, there's a lot. Of, there are a lot of seniors in my world. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are my contemporaries, you see, and they're all talking about. Uh, they're talking about moving to something smaller, maybe going from a two story to one story. So I, I think I know what you mean. But when you're an incline and you move out, you decline. You know? but it doesn't matter Absolutely. what age you are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And some people can take some equity and and save some money and buy a. A smaller place, or actually a bigger place down here for less money, and actually have some extra. What's
3: what's the elevation there? In Incline? Yeah,
4: it's uh, 6,200 to up to about 7,500.
3: Okay, Mm -hmm. so you're at least a thousand feet higher than we are. Yes, get a lot more snow up there.
1: Incline Village. So a lot of lot of uh, communities around in and around Reno, they have something that they're really well known for: uh, the football team, the basketball team, uh, the ski team in Incline Village. Mm -hmm. Would that be it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good ski team.
4: Yeah, have a good ski team, Diamond Peak. Actually, in Incline Village, it's actually owned by the by the village of Incline. Yeah, right. uh, yeah uh, as a, uh, so
1: do you you as a real estate professional in Incline Village, you would work with someone that's interested in buying a home, a condo, primary residence. Mm-hmm. Do you do any commercial work yourself?
4: I do some, yes. Okay,
1: so are there any commercial activities in Incline Village?
4: There's some, yes.
1: Can you tell me it's about very, what, what they look like?
4: As far as for Are they sale? Like
1: restaurants? Are there restaurants
4: there? Oh, there's there? restaurants. I mean, we have, we have full full amenities mm-hmm. um, in Klein. We have, uh, you know, restaurants. We have, you know, hospital there. We have, um, you know, a lot of different um, uh, physical um, you know, activities. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we have a recreation center there.
1: Always heard a lot about it when I first came to visit my friend in the 90s when I first started coming to Lake Tahoe.
4: One of the things about Incline Village that's really nice is that the uh, the uh, Incline Village General Improvement District we, they own all their a uh, whole bunch of amenities there. We have the ski resort that's part of the one of the facilities there. That's part of the town, and um, two golf courses, the beach activity, you know, the beach, two beaches, uh, plus a, um, a boat ramp and a recreation center, a tennis complex, uh, disc golf. Disc golf. Yes. I mm, haven't, haven't done that before. Is that no, like, fr- it, yeah. like Frisbee? Frisbee golf, yeah. Frisbee I, I golf. actually helped uh, develop that. Oh, about nice. Disc- about 15 years ago.
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, I've seen some of that on television, but I've not done it. But It's a lot of fun. It, it does
4: look like a lot and of fun. And it's great for all ages and all, um, you know, all skill levels. You have Sometime. to come up, and I'll, I'll take you out one time.
3: I would like to try that disc <laughs> golf. You bet, Ray. How about you? Have you done that before? I have. I have done uh, disc golf. We called it uh, frisbee golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a trade name, but um, that was uh, when I was living in uh, Oregon in those days. Yeah, uh, a friend had uh, his yard. He had about an acre yard, and he had it staked out with uh, oh, nice. frisbee hoops. There you go. Something else you can that do. Was a lot the of fun.
1: Yard. Yeah. The market sentiment in uh, the Reno Sparks area that I have feel right now, with I had a lot of people come and go into the show, uh, Ray and David, is that uh, it's kind of an on hold. People are on hold right now to see what happens. Interest rates have come down a little bit. Uh, people are waiting to see what happens in the general election, and uh, with uh, the financial world being what is it, it is, there's an element of uncertainty. The good, good news is that interest rates have backed off about a half percent, maybe a touch more, since they got to, the, to where they were looking at the eights already. My gosh. But now we're, we're into the sixes. Things are looking like there's uh, maybe some stability in the future. That's the sentiment here. But, David, in Incline Village, I'm sure it's different because you're different, different, dealing with different kinds of potential buyers and sellers. Or is it different? What's it like?
4: Well, we have um, more cash buyers up at the lake. But, there, you know, there's also, I think people are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now. They, they, I think last year people were more on hold because of um, the uncertainty. Are we going to go into recession? What's going to happen with inflation? Now we're seeing, we might come in for a soft landing. We don't know. But um, mm-hmm. it, it seems like there's a little bit more um, positivity out there. Um, and we're, I think there's a, some expectation that we might see rates start to drop even more coming throughout the year. So the second half of the year, maybe in spring and the second half of the year, we uh, might see more activity.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, at a lot of times when we talk to people about the transactions that happen in the higher level of purchases, in mm-hmm. the jumbo mortgage area, for instance, the million-dollar-plus market, and you said it yourself, a lot of the deals are cash more deals are cash at that end of the spectrum than they are at the bottom end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm.
3: No, that's and, interesting.
1: And, and uh, you know, because, well, you know, the one thing you have to have to do a cash deal is cash. Mm-hmm. And so it's obviously the people at the higher end are the ones that are going to have more cash than people at the lower end. But I know people mm-hmm. at the lower end that have cash, mm-hmm. but they don't buy a $400,000 home for cash very often. Sometimes mm-hmm. they do. But not nearly as often, it seems like, as the transactions at a million dollars or higher.
4: Um, I think this is how much extra cash you have. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, you certainly don't want to spend all of your cash, um, mm-hmm. you know, and tie it up in, into, into a purchase. But yeah. um, And there are people out there that are still uh, getting loans. Um, and with the anticipation that within a year, two years, somewhere in the near future, they'll be able to refinance.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I just have always heard it and, and since I was a young man that, if you buy real estate for cash, you take that cash out of circulation. Sure. It doesn't have any way to do any other work for you. And mm-hmm. It doesn't grow. And you can't earn interest on it because you pay. You gave it away basically for this property. So it's just a different way of thinking. But but you're right. When you reach a certain level of wealth, everything above that is extra, mm-hmm. and it's easier to do things with that. And, and you really let's face it, we're dealing with a different kind of world.
4: Yeah, and I think also with the way the interest rates are right now. Um, you know, people. You know, the cash. Cash makes more sense for if you have it to, than to pay. You know, six or seven percent. Yeah, at the moment. yeah. Very true.
1: Very true. Especially if it's disposable. Yes. When we come back, I want to talk with Ray Hopper and David Dufier about the Nevada State Beekeepers Conference. Great news. Nevada Technology Academy is offering classes in networking, cybersecurity, and computer technology. All courses at Nevada Technology Academy offer industry-recognized certification. Call 775-849-4983 or visit NVTechAcademy.com. Nevada Technology Academy. Invest in your future.
5: NVTechAcademy.com. Save the date. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, February 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Enjoy world renowned speakers, educational presentations, hands on workshops, honey tasting, and bee photo contests, plus so much more. Learn from new and seasoned beekeepers. Inform, educate, and inspire. Register at NevadaStateBeekeepers.org. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, Feb 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, Yearington, Nevada,
2: the hub of Lyon County. 786 to strategize with the wealth protection diva today call
1: sage international ray hopper and david Dufier are with me today in the studio we're talking about a lot of things including the help save the bees foundation pollination real estate in northern nevada but i also want to talk about the nevada state beekeepers conference very important to so much many of us in nevada because beekeepers come to this conference from all over the state heck in fact they come not only from all over the country but from around the world it is amazing the people that we meet at the nevada state beekeepers conference ray hopper you have been there david Dufier, you have been there ray can hopper. you share with our listeners a little bit about what it feels like, felt, felt like to be there david why don't you start tell us what it was like when you went to the bee conference
4: it was it was uh, super fascinating uh they had a, um not only some great speakers but they had some great workshops there. So they had breakout groups where you go to different workshops um, for both beekeepers and for non-beekeepers. For the beekeepers, they had like, you know, stuff like setting up and inspecting and maintaining um, beehives and and frames and different new inventions and technologies to help um, with, with beekeeping. And also things like bear deterrents, you know, keeping bears from eating all your honey, which can happen not only up at the lake but also down, you know, but, but in, in more rural areas, um, especially near any kind of stream beds or anything like that. Um, for the non-beekeepers um, and, and beekeepers alike, there is stuff like mead, mead, making, which is basically an alcohol that made made from bee honey, um, propolis tinctures, beeswax crafts, candle making, and uh, lumineers. And then, uh, you know, talk about pollinated gardens and landscaping and how to, how to, you know, enhance your own yard and what you can do to help um, help pollinators.
1: It's great. There's so much that you get there, and, and it's really fascinating that you can get so much out of a bee conference. You, yeah. you learn everything from about foods to gardening to uh, libations to tinctures. Um, Ray, you've been there many, many times. Uh, I love what you do when you go to the Nevada State Beekeepers Conference. What are some of the best things you like?
3: All those speakers that that they get from all over the country, the speakers that are uh, nationally known and, and that contribute to the Bee Journals, uh, come to Eureka, Nevada, and uh, we get to rub elbows with those guys uh, all all during the weekend and just have conversations with them over coffee and so forth it's just an incredible experience plus getting to hear their presentations and their talk about the latest research that they're doing uh, from very, various um, organizations and to hear about all the groundbreaking research that uh, these guys are doing yeah I, I
1: love seeing some of the, the entrepreneurs that are there they have new inventions new innovations I remember at last year's B Conference Ray one of attendee one uh uh, exhibitor, he was doing a 3D print of some of his new beekeeping beekeeper f- bee feeder inventions, and uh, it was fascinating to see the technology along with the you know the old Langstroff style beekeeping. Right? <laughs>
3: beekeeping is such an old profession; it's really interesting to see uh, technological uh, advances in beekeeping. It's, it's quite amazing.
1: Yeah, and yeah. in the past years, Ray, you've had a great display that you've shared with. Uh, our beekeeper attendees and uh, i'm hoping you're going to be there this year uh, and do the same and if you are i, I would love it if you let our listeners know what that display is like i'm
3: definitely going to be there all the, for the whole conference uh peter and what we did last year and what we're going to do again this year and uh it's it's become pretty popular as we set up a table with uh, microscopes where people can uh look at uh, various uh, body parts of the honeybee mm-hmm. Because uh, most people don't realize that the anatomy of a honeybee is precisely designed for to, for the bee to be a perfect pollinator. Mm-hmm. And not only are they completely covered from stem to stern with all these little branched hairs yeah. that uh, attract pollen, and as, they, as a bee flies through the air, they pick up uh, a static electric charge so that before they even touch the plant, the pollen jumps off the plant onto the bee. And, and then they've got uh, special hairs on their hind legs called pollen baskets that the bee will brush the pollen back into their pollen baskets. And then they've got... Uh, a, a little notch in their front legs called an antenna cleaner, so that as because they use their antenna for smelling, their mm-hmm. sense of smell is in their antenna, and when when their antenna gets completely covered with pollen that 's all they can smell, so they use this uh, little notch in their front the, for, for the front leg and they brush it across their antenna and, it's, and it cleans the pollen off their antenna it 's really amazing and so you get to see these things under a microscope that most people don 't the beekeepers they spend they spend all day playing with and working with their bees but at these uh, events it's nice to be able to l- look down into uh, the microscope and see all these little body parts that are contributing to the bee's efficiency
1: it was uh, really amazing to me when i first saw the bee parts through your microscope and you, and you showed me where the pollen catcher is uh, that they use to bring the put the pollen on their el- inside elbow basically and they—that's where they put the big, uh, big, big ball of pollen.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's on the hind leg, right? It's on the it's hind it, leg. Okay. Yeah.
1: And it's just—it's it's a just pollen a, press. Pollen press. It's—it's right. it's just amazing to me because you see the bees coming into the beehive after they've been out on a pollen gathering flight, and uh, they're like two big pillows that they're bringing in for them. <laughs> that's really right. something. It's a great thing. Hanging to off
3: see. their back legs. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting is to see the various colors of pollen that are coming in from the different flowers too.
1: Right. I went to my first beekeepers conference in 2016 and then um, spent the next 12 months essentially really thinking about what I had learned and talking with my wife to see if it was right for me. And so that bee conference was really important for us because it put in our mind what it was like to be a beekeeper, not only the process, but Ray, let's face it, it's a very people-oriented uh, location because you need to talk to people you need to learn about the world of beekeeping you need to ask questions and then people ask you questions and part of the world of being a beekeeper is that social interaction
3: uh, that's a pretty yes. important part of a uh, successful beekeeper i would say yes absolutely right peter uh, most people don't realize what it all is involved in beekeeping uh, it's, beekeeping isn't like a regular hobby where you can just put it up on the shelf and forget about it for a few months and then pick it up where you left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, to become a successful beekeeper, you actually have to become a beekeeper. Yeah. You have to learn a lot about it. And this conference is one of the best ways to learn, especially for somebody that's just thinking about beekeeping yeah. you get to meet 100 200 people from all over the state at from various levels of beekeeping from people that are just thinking about it or all the way to people that commercial beekeepers that have been doing it for generations like Debbie's family
1: yeah it's just amazing this, the level of skill that's there uh, David, uh, you became a beekeeper, you're not a beekeeper, I'm not a beekeeper. you're not a beekeeper, mm-hmm. but you are with Hope Save the Bees Foundation on the board member, so I know that you, you look at what the beekeepers do and you yes. value the work that beekeepers do.
4: Yes, and I've helped Ray with his beekeeping activities, you know, putting the suit on and uh, checking for the Varroa mites and also um, Know, extracting honey, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to different parts, and well, there's a lot to it.
1: I you're think. an associate beekeeper, sure. really, is what you are. <laughs> you don't have bees, that's but right. you're, a bee, you're <laughs> keeping bees. You're working with bees. That's a very nice way to do it. And I think that's a great way for anyone else that's maybe thinking about becoming getting into the world of beekeeping but isn't sure, that's the best way I'd recommend. And that's what I did is I hooked up with a f- great friend of mine. He's a realtor, too. His name is Dan Ryder. Oh, I know Dan Ray Dan. Hopper, you know Dan Ryder? Yes, we do. He Dan, Dan was Reiter. on our board. He used to be on board. Well, so Dan Ryder, great guy. He's my beekeeping mentor in Reno, and uh, he helped me get started. And that was a great uh, source of confidence for me that I decided to continue to process the thought of becoming a beekeeper. Shared it with my wife. She uh, loves Dan, too. Dan came to our, our home and looked at our bees, gave me a few recommendations. I had a chance to go to his uh pre before even we launched and i helped him do a little bit and that again it was it was like gold because you're actually able to do it as opposed to just one day you get a box in the mail and here's your bees good luck i mean yeah. <laughs> yes. some people they get started i know and they think they're becoming beekeepers but they're creating a lot of problems for themselves those uh, are bee havers you have bees but you don't know what the heck you're doing mm-hmm. so you're probably going to lose them now, I was very lucky that I hooked up with Mason Valley Beekeepers. We learned about beekeeping, got my interest going so that almost every day, every evening, every weekend, uh, my wife and I were thinking about bees, talking about bees, visiting with beekeepers, <laughs> uh, talking about the garden that we need for the bees, how the be, you know, you just you become a beekeeper mm. because that's all you think about almost that's every right. single day. It's a
4: relationship. It's a
1: relationship. I think about it in a way, gentlemen, like having a pet, mm-hmm. but it's a light pet light because I don't need to go out to see the bees every single day. I I really don't. I mean, I leave town sometimes for a few days or even a week, and I know that I've done everything that those bees are gonna be fine for a week or so. Uh, With a dog or a cat, you can't do that. But, like a dog or a cat, you have to provide a good shelter for the bees, and you gotta provide food for the bees, and you have to monitor them to see whether
3: the bees are doing okay, and so you can take some uh, preventive maintenance maybe, one of the things we love doing is going out into classrooms and teaching kids, primary uh, education level kids, about bees and the importance of pollinators. And it, it's really interesting. Over the years, what I've noticed is that the kids, third graders, second graders, fourth graders in that age area, they used to be very fearful of bees. And, uh, that you know, oh, they're be a sting. Mm-hmm. And... and but over the years I've noticed uh, a change in the landscape that that the kids when they come in and they look at the bees that we have in a uh, in our observation hive they run up to the the bees and go oh look they're so cute. Right. And so it's it's a completely uh, completely changed um level of uh, intelligence I think in in the, s- the kids that we're seeing these days. Society has discovered the honeybee and the
1: value of the pollinator bee the native bees, I think it's all coming together, Ray. You guys have done a great job in getting the word out to the general public about things that have happened, and the
3: uh, Bee City USA was a big part of that. Last year, Reno became a bee city. The biggest yes. little bee city. Yes, the <laughs> of course, since we're, no, uh, since we're Reno, we are the biggest little bee city. Nice. And what what is the uh, Bee City USA is a nationwide uh project that's run by the Xerces Society of Invertebrate Conservation and they're all about um, invertebrates and pollinators and not just about honeybees but all about all pollinators and so what Bee City USA is, is an organization uh, consisting of about 300 cities and um, campuses across the country Uh, that to become a Bee City the City Council has to approve a resolution uh, to reduce the use of pesticides within the city to uh, improve pollinator habitat and to provide educational um, opportunities. So last year, the city council, Reno City Council unanimously approved our resolution to join the Bee City USA project, and so we are now the biggest little bee city.
1: Wow, that's that's great, great news! Congratulations, Ray. Thank and, you. And we, David, just started, all uh, we just started
3: board members. We just started a conversation with the uh, Parks Department, the Reno Parks Department, uh, to engage in a Memorandum of Understanding, an MOU, whereby uh, the biggest little obesity is going to take over the um, care and management of uh, Valleywood uh, Waterwise Garden Park. Nice, so uh, we're really looking forward to that it's uh it's a project that's been in, in um, construction for about six years where uh the original turf has been uh, transformed into uh, different pollinator gardens there's eight different sections uh, at uh, valleywood park uh, there's a pollinator garden and a, a bird garden and a uh, native plant garden, and there's this garden and that garden. Each each of the eight individual gardens has on its own individual water system, so we can measure the amount of water that each type of plant it requires for, uh, for for a pro, um, best health. And so um, we are uh, in, taking over this this project as the B City USA project, the biggest little B City. And um we we're, we're going to be uh, continuing to do the maintenance on this and uh promote the uh area uh to the Reno uh population uh residents as a better way to uh to landscape your yard rather than uh, turf grass. Exactly. Yeah. Do something for the
1: pollination world and save water.
3: There are 50 million acres of lawns in the United States. <laughs> mm. More acreage in lawns than there are in fruit trees just... and and uh, irrigated uh, crops. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to gradually change the mindset of the people that live here that, into what is actually more beautiful. And I think the uh, native grasses, when uh, treated properly, uh, are more beautiful and more attractive to our pollinators than uh, an acre of boring green grass. Valleywood uh, Waterwise Gardens is located a quarter mile from the intersection of Rob and Mayan in May-Ann. Northwest Reno. Valleywood Waterwise Gardens. Thank you for being with us
1: today, Ray. Thank you. Peter. I'd like to thank you for uh, coming in to talk about Help Save the Bees Foundation. The BE Conference and uh, Real Estate in Northern Nevada. David Dufier, you uh, enjoyed having you with us, too. Uh, My pleasure. Let us know uh, if somebody wants to talk to you about real estate, what is the best way to connect with you in Incline Village?
4: Tahoe Homesales at gmail.com. Thank you both for
1: joining us today. Thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure. We're on the air again next week, same time, same station. Tell your friends and family to tune in then, and then they can make a great deal when it comes time to buy or sell real estate or becoming a beekeeper. Until (laughs) then, (laughs) goodbye, everybody.
0: You have been listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. We value your listenership. Want to talk with Peter? Send an email to peter at nevadarealestateradio.com.
5: Next time on the Sherry Hill Show, I have Greg Downey, co-founder of Purim Ventures. They are in the business of making the impossible possible. You're going to find out why and how. Join me, the Sherry Hill Show Mondays 11:30 a.m. and Sundays at 1pm on 93.7 FM, The Sherry Hill Show where business is amplified.